Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. This is Monsters Who Murder, Serial Killer Confessions. With Amanda Howard and Robert McKnight. Yes, it's another episode of Monsters Who Murder, Serial Killer Confessions with the one and only serial killer whisperer, Amanda Howard. Amanda, as we go into a record-breaking season, we're at number 11 in Series 8. I know, we don't usually get this far. It usually gets to the end of the school term and both of us are a bit exhausted of looking at each other on camera and we sort of say, okay, that'll do for a couple of weeks. But Yes, Amanda going... likes to pull the pin because I think she gets to the point where she's ready to kill me after <laughs> uh, ten episodes or nine episodes. So uh, if I don't make it, if you don't hear from me again, <laughs> I am dead. <laughs> <laughs> yes, no, of course no. Just, we have fun and it, it is exhausting that there is a lot of prep that goes into these episodes. So, And um, it's just been a crazy ride and this was going to be a one-episode piece and then How? as we continue to dig, I mean, we're this, at three. This is amazing and this is why I ha- I'm really loving the fact we're going longer on this season because Jodie Arias is fascinating and the interviews taking place are fascinating and the way you're breaking it down can you guess what I'm going to say, team? It's fascinating. <laughs> so I am absolutely compelled by this. I, I really thought you were going to say it. fascinating again. <laughs> <laughs> I thought the joke would run through, to be honest. Um, but, no, I, I am finding this really, really interesting. So uh, there is a lot of actuality to listen to as part of these tapes. That's why we're not doing our news sections at the moment. Um, so I think we should just get straight into it, Amanda, because it is absolutely Fascinating. (laughs) (laughs) All right, let's get into it. And this week we are in part three of our miniseries on the fascinating killer, Jodie Arias. To recap, Jodie Arias murdered her ex-boyfriend, 30-year-old Travis Alexander. He was murdered on June 4, 2008. The pair had spent several hours together before the murder, during which they took explicit photos of each other. When Travis headed for the shower, Arias continued to take photos before shooting and stabbing Travis to death. Now, we got to the end of the first interview in our last episode and there are a few more to go through. So let's start with the second interview. Even though this is episode three, this is the second interview. Amanda, can you please describe the scene? Well, this is the next day to uh, the the other two episodes that we've just gone through. Um, she's sitting alone in the room. It's the same room as, as before. It's got, you know, a lamp on a lamp table with a printer, a nice a nice table in the room and and some pretty light shades and things like that um but this time she's in prison scrub so she, she's gone from the, the cute little outfit she had on yesterday to the orange ghastly looking scrubs that are far too, too big for her her hands are actually uh tethered to her, her waist with um 
chains and irons. So um, she is going to not go far to, to begin with. But she is now starting to realise that there is a finality to, to what's going on. That... It's interesting you say that. That was going to be my question. Is this a change in um, the way she would be perceiving the situation? Because in the last interview, she's in her normal clothes and she's feeling like she can BS them and get away with it. Is it now starting to dawn on her the reality of the situation that she's in the prison garb, she's being held, you know, she hasn't been released on bail or anything like that. So yeah. is she starting to get a sense of this is real? Well, yesterday in, in, in the other two episodes, she is in civvies, as as we said, and she's sitting almost on equal ground. So mm. so she's being interviewed, but she's giving as much as, as she gets. But now that power dynamic is about to change because she's now an inmate and they're they're the police detectives, they're the people that are going to in- interview her. So so now that, that there's going to be a change in that dynamic that we're going to see. And you can see it from the very beginning. She, she's actually staring at a painting that's on the wall and she stares and does not move for quite a significant amount of time before she actually starts speaking. She is still unaware that the room is recorded, which is quite odd, but because um, she had talked about the tape recorders that the, the day before, mm. she kind of would assume that, um, you know, his his phone might record or, or things like that. But it's, it's just interesting that in this brief time that, that we've gone from one day to the next, um, she is probably going to have this sort of uh, change in outlook. Um, she's going to be more about now self-preservation because now she's been put into a prison. It's already a high-profile case w- w- when she gets arrested. So there's going to be people in prison that are going to sort of um, goaded her. They're going to sort of say, ha-ha, we know who you are. I mean, she, she's only in holding, but there's going to be people in there that are going to know that she's a high-profile high case. So she wouldn't have had a very good sleep that night before. So now we're going to get into this new interview on the second day and how it's all going to change. Okay, well, let's get into it. After staring at the wall for two minutes, we hear her for the first time in the second interview and she sings like she did at the end of the previous interview. Just remember in winter Far beneath Uh, this is interesting. Is this just a time killer? What's the purpose, Is if, if there is any? Well, I think it's more about comforting herself. So uh, she actually alludes to it that she wanted to be a singer if she wasn't a cold-blooded killer. So um, she, she sort of has, has these times where she is, yes, killing time, but it's also a way to, to comfort herself. If if she was frantic, she would be like picking at her fingernails or, or flicking her hair, which she, she will do later. But singing to her, herself is her way of saying, you're great, you're fine, you're beautiful, don't worry, this is all all fine. But at the same time, while she's staring at this picture and singing, every so often she, she sort of does these jolts and then she starts to fidget and then she calms her, herself down again. So she sort of has this self-soothing mantra that she goes through that um, mm. I think she is going to want to need during the second interview. I tell you what, though, she is a good singer. If she had a band called Jodie Arias and the Serial Killers... He'd want to listen to that one, wouldn't he? <laughs> oh, Robert. <laughs> I'm sure someone would. <laughs> Look, uh, being serious again, Detective Rachel Blaney sits down in the same place that Flores did in the previous interview. He left the room with the handcuffs as Blaney begins the interview formalities. She even has the little tape recorders from the previous interview on the table 
and recording. Blaney starts the questioning from a different perspective to Flora's. She uses flattery. The reason that I wanted to talk with you this morning, <clears throat> there's a couple of reasons actually. Um, I have been uh, privy to the investigation um, and uh, all of the evidence in this case um, and to your conversation with Detective Flores yesterday. And there's, there's really no, um, let me say this, it's, it's obvious to me that, you know, you're not, um, uh, you're not our typical suspect. You know, you, you come from a, um, a good home, a good family. Your parents obviously care about you. Um, that was evident, you know, when they talked to him yesterday. Um, and you're a bright girl. Um, probably uh, more intelligent than you were letting on yesterday. And there's no question in my mind or any of the other investigators' mind um, that you were the person that took Travis's life. But what I need to know, or what I'd like to know, and give you the opportunity to do, is determine whether, you know, you're a cold-blooded, cold-hearted um, murderer who slaughtered this guy, or are you somebody that got caught up in circumstances and things got out of control? Because I think that is what happened, honestly, in, in looking at everything and all of the facts and in talking to people. Um, you know, it, it, I think in every person that anybody could be capable of harming another person. I think it's, it's in our nature and, and generally most people suppress that. Um, but I think given the right circumstances and you know the right time and the right place, anybody could be you know, capable of harming another person. I see that on a regular basis. Um, what I generally see are the, you know, the, the cold-hearted, ruthless types. What I don't see very often, Jody, are people like yourself that are intelligent and spiritual and caring and um, so I, I tend to believe that it was an incident of circumstance if you will um, it looks as if you know this guy Travis um, you know, befriended you, you got into this relationship, and it certainly looks to me like he's, he took advantage of your generosity and your kindness. Um, you know, one of the other detectives had described him to you as a player. Um, and I, I don't think that that's very far off from everything that I've seen. And I don't think there's a, a woman out there that hasn't been um, treated badly or taken advantage of by a man like that. And I'm hoping, because you come from a good family and because you have a, you know, a decent background, I'm hoping that you'll be smart about things and make some choices for yourself to help better your situation. When this hits the news, um, and, and it will, it'll go to the media, do you want to be portrayed as that cold-blooded, cold-hearted murderer, because it, the media loves that. 
that's not, you know, that won't be our words um, or their words when they do a press release, but that's what, you know, the media will take a look at the facts and that's what they'll portray it as. Or do you want to be portrayed as a person that didn't, didn't mean to have any of this happen, it just got out of hand and you're remorseful? You know, which, which way do you want to go? How do you want to portray yourself? You're a businesswoman, is that correct? Okay. And you have a couple of different businesses going, right? So you're a smart girl, Jody, smart woman. Um, you gotta have a lot on the ball to be, you know, your own businesswoman and balancing everything the way you do because it sounds like you got a lot going on and a lot of juggling and balancing you're obviously very organized well read um i would say well read but not organized not organized why so um, i just i procrastinate so things papers pile up and things don't get filed on time and um i lose stuff and then i find it later when i don't need it anymore you know when i do need it i can't find it so okay just general stuff like Maybe you're not as organized as I as I had thought. It's, uh, certainly well, I, I try. I mean, I go through these periods where it's like today is devoted to organization, and then I'll get organized, and mm -hmm. it'll be that way for a little while, and I'll kind of let it slide, and then I'll have to go back and clean up again. Mm -hmm. It's interesting. That was five minutes of Blainley speaking, and Arias sat there silent. Yet when she finally spoke, it was to give herself a derogatory comment. What's the significance of that? Well, I mean, for most of that time, Arias actually sat there and she enjoyed what Blaney was saying to her. So she was liking what she was being told. She was being portrayed as this woman who had lots of eggs in, in, in lots of baskets and, and she was able to continue juggling. Um, but she is is playing it dumb. So so by giving herself um, a, a, a derogatory term, she, she's basically saying, whatever you're saying is bullshit and I'm not going to listen to it, you know, but this is what they're, they're trying to do. So they're playing good cop, bad cop. As we know in, in yesterday's interview, um, Flores just gets the shits and walks out. He goes, yeah, I'm done. I'm not doing this. I'm walking out. So yeah. now Blaney's come in as the good cop. She's being yeah. all maternal. She's, you know, you know, you're a great girl who, who's probably just got herself into a wrong situation. So what can we do? You know, you're not a cold-blooded killer, but these things sometimes happens. You know, everyone can kill if, if, if they're pushed to it. So why don't you talk to me? You know, I'm just going to be this meek and mild female and we're going to play that game. There was a lot in there because there was a lot of flattery. Is is this detective um, just setting Arias up to flatter her and try and get something out of it? Is that what this is about? Yeah, this is her trying to build rapport. She's trying to say, you know, look, we're both females in a tough world. You know, we, we kind of have to stick together. You know, you probably want to talk to me and I'm going to use this soft, gentle voice. I'm going to make yeah. you feel soothed and comforted. You know, don't worry about where you were last night about being in jail. Let's talk about this and let's sort of have you have that realisation of where you were, where you were likely to be. So let's do, do this the easy way. Tell me that there is an excuse for this murder. And that's what they're trying to do. There is no excuse. Ah, it never that was will interesting. be. Yeah. It's interesting you say that because it's almost like they're trying to say to her, oh, look, it, it wasn't your fault, you know, like you did what you had to do. Yeah, so, he was a player, you know, yeah, yeah. and they went so, into all of that. But Are they trying to paint him as the bad guy to get a confession out of her? 
we will see this time and again. Um, there is interviews that I know that we have coming up where they're going to um, talk to pedophiles and child killers and say, you know, oh, yeah, but she, she was probably asking for it. And they do what they need to 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 get the perpetrator to talk. They will say to them, you know, yeah, she probably looked hot in that bikini or some horrific right. thing like that. They do what they need to do to get the results. It's not what they believe. It's not what they think. Sure. But yeah. they play that game purely so then that they, they gain the trust of this um, perpetrator in front of him. And this one is saying, well, you're a nice religious girl who has killed someone, you know, it doesn't fit the profile. So what happened to make you do this rather than you did this because you're a bunny boiler? (laughs) Well, Blaney takes this further and Arias adds that Flores called her cold. It's not hard to tell that, you know, you, you have portrayed yourself as being very strong, but you can see it in your eyes, Judy. It's not like, you know, it's not that I'm in detect my, my dad said that Detective Flores told him that I was just cold yesterday. And it's not that I'm cold, I'm just resolute. And it's not that I haven't cried, and it's all I've done for the last month. Mm-hmm. You know, and I've got to go to work part time, and at my job, I need to be a happy, cheery person. So I've got to suppress all of that and put on an act while I'm on the clock. Mm-hmm. And if I'm going to get any more clients for my business, I've got to be an attractive person in my personality. So it's it's not like it's not like I haven't been grieving him since I heard about him. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, you have an image. I understand that you have an image to uphold, and you have to portray. You know, that you're a together, savvy woman. You know, not somebody who's fallen apart. So that's understandable. I but fall apart when you aren't looking. And when it's at night and I go to sleep, Travis always used to call me, not always, but very frequently. So that's the hardest part is when I go to sleep at night. And if he wasn't calling, then I'd just call him. And sometimes I would just call anyway to hear his voicemail. She took the bait. <laughs> she certainly did and she is now portraying herself as the victim and as we heard there she's saying that she needs to be bubbling everything so she can continue to build her businesses now we've heard that she's hopeless with money hopeless with finance hopeless with filing and paperwork and things like that but she's still thinking that she's going to walk out of there an innocent woman who has been wrongly accused and she's just going to walk out of here and just have her job back and everything's going to go back so to she normal. believes the fantasy in her head at this point that she is going to get away with it yes yes she she knows that she broke flores the day before she knows that he went yes stuff you i'm out of here and walked out so now she just has to play the waiting game with blaney to see if blaney does the same thing and snaps now blaney's playing good cop so she's going to go in there she's going to use the jarring words like cold-blooded killer but she's also using you're a nice girl you know you're not cold you know flores was horrible to call you that so i'm going to do the opposite to, to see which way it's going to be better for you well, Blaney, Blaney knows Arias is going to continue with the lies, so she lays it all out for her. So let me go back to, you know, the, the choices that she had, because, again, there's no doubt in anybody's mind what happened that day. There's no doubt that you were involved that day that Travis died. Listen, I know I, that I wasn't involved in Travis's death. Okay. Um, and but what we hold on what you need to decide is 
do you want to be portrayed as that cold-blooded killer? Oh, that's what I was getting at. Or do you want to be portrayed as somebody that was taken advantage of and, um, you know, if things just one thing led to another, you thought your relationship was headed in one direction and it wasn't, or, you know, I, I don't know exactly the circumstances because I wasn't there, but I would certainly think that it's to your benefit to appear as this is something that just happened, you didn't plan it, it was, you know, um, it was a heated moment and uh, you didn't mean to hurt him because um, you didn't mean to hurt him, did you? I've hurt him very much emotionally and I never meant to hurt him. Okay. He said that so I hurt I, him more than the death of his father. And I, I believe that. Um, you know, how, how are you going to come clean with yourself, you know, between you and, and uh, God um, if you can't even, you know, look his family in the face and show remorse? I don't think that you're a bad person. I don't think that you meant any of this to happen. I think that things got out of control and you didn't know what to do and you panicked. And I would certainly like your parents to see that, your friends to see that, instead of the cold-hearted killer that the evidence is, is screaming to show. And this is, you know, at a certain point, you gotta, you gotta do what's right, you know. You gotta, you gotta make things right for yourself. Because otherwise it's gonna eat inside of you. You're gonna be sitting in that cell with all of this churning inside of you and it, it, it's gonna eat you up. And just because I'm a cop doesn't mean that I don't care, you know, about um, humanity and people. Um, you know, I, I'm not sitting here judging you. I'm trying to help you out. I'm trying to give you a chance to, to make things right. You know, show the families that you do have some remorse. You know, yeah. I'll, I'll apologize for the things that you've done if that's what makes you feel better, you know, whatever it is. But when you continue to deny, 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 when it's obvious that, that that's not the case, you appear to be the cold-blooded killer. You know, there's, and the media is going to feed off of that. You know, when this when this goes to trial, the media is there. It's not it's not kept secret. You know, do you want to be out there and um, like the O.J. Simpsons? Because nobody felt sorry for him. You know, nobody um, nobody respected him afterwards. Even though he maintained. The, his innocence. How do you want to? How do you want to be portrayed? Do you want to be portrayed as the the person that you are, the you know a decent person, who's had some tough times and and you know, just didn't make the right choices at the time? Or do you want to be portrayed as a person that doesn't care about anybody or anything? You know, of course I don't want to be portrayed as a cold-blooded murderer. That's... I believe that. I believe that um, everybody, everybody wants to tell the truth. Because to keep that lie in tears you up emotionally, physically, 
mentally. Um, I see that over and over and over again with people. And I believe that you don't want to be portrayed in the negative light that I've already... And I, I'm not making that stuff up. I mean, that's just reality, Jody. That's the way our society works. That's the way this world works. Well, it's kind of like heads I win, tails you lose. There's no not guilty, and they keep trying to get her to say it, but she's very careful here, isn't she? She is, and there are so many places where you expect her to fall over and she's not. She's She is hoping for for the sympathy and that she is a, a victim, but it's not happening. And Blaney's actually towing the same line as Flores, but she's doing it a different way, you know. Mm. Um, Rice actually gets frustrated with her and just sort of puts her head in, in, in her hand. She's like... I, you know, I thought that talking to a female officer was going to be a lot easier, but Blaney just keeps talking. There is no silence. She just keeps going and going and going, and Arias will get confused by this. And so this is a different technique. I don't think it's successful, but what we see is is a very different way to do it and how it's actually going to put some of the pieces in that are going to help play out a sort of confession. It is interesting how she's dropping in the term cold-blooded killer a lot and trying to make her think about the public perception of her. Um, it's very evocative. To... It is, yeah. I mean, I mean, she, she even says, you know, do you want to be like O.J. Simpson? No one feels mm. sorry for O.J. Simpson. Like she's throwing the, the, the sparks out there. Um, it's, it's quite surprising that um, Jody hasn't sort of picked up on that and sort of come back at it but she's for someone who i believe would have been very talkative in her natural environment she she's playing it very well she's playing the cards very close to her her chest and she isn't going to sort of say no to anything like you know how dare you call me a cold-blooded killer she is Mm. remaining silent and that seems to work tired of ads interrupting your gripping investigations good news Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Ads shouldn't be the scariest thing about true crime. Start listening by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash true crime ad free. That's amazon.com slash true crime ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Finally, Arias takes control and starts talking. Can I ask you a couple questions? Sure. Um, not personal questions. Um, I know I understand they took some of my stuff yesterday. Mm-hmm. Where does all that go? Does it go to Arizona? Um, it'll, it'll be transferred to Arizona. It's held in evidence. There's a list of everything that was taken, and, and um, a copy of that was left at each um, location. At each location. And it was a carbon copy, so my parents couldn't read it all, and my grandparents couldn't read everything. They um, told me some of the things, and some of the things were like my camera, for example, mm-hmm. which is fine. I understand that. My concern is other people. Um, for example, I'm a wedding photographer, and I just did a wedding on Friday, and I, I feel bad for Brian and his wife, Katie, because those are their wedding pictures. That's all they have for their wedding. And I just want to know when they'll be able to get their wedding pictures. I don't know when. I don't know how, you know, th- this could go on for That's quite a while. That's the only thing they have to remember the day. They're not going to destroy the wedding pictures. They're not going to get rid of them or anything like that. You know, and I, I just take pride in my work, and I guess, you know, I'm not going to have a chance to edit them and make them really beautiful. Like, they already turned out really good, but... 
you know, with Photoshop, it is still all kinds of neat effects, and they just they turn out like magic. And so it, that won't be the case this time, but at least the, the hard, hard files are there for them. And, you know, if they're not going to get them forever and ever, it's going to suck for them, but as long as they get them eventually. Eventually. And also, I'm... I think that, you know... Go ahead. Um, my sister... I don't know what her problem is. I mean, she's far less messed up than I am, I guess, but she's she's in a program right now in Klamath Falls um, for till the end of August, rehabilitating from something. And um, my mom, we write her. You know, we only get to talk to her once a week, and my mom is going to um, send pictures because I have on my my. Um, external drive. I have a bunch of pictures of her and I that we just were doing this with, just taking pictures of each other on, on her prom night because I helped her do her hair and I helped her, you know, just take pictures and then I dropped her off and she just wanted some of those to have. Um, you know, she's all done up glamorous and she's like, I can't remember what I look like without makeup. And I uh, did a photo shoot with my little brother last week and they turned out really good and she wanted those pictures too. She doesn't have access to any of them now. And those are all family treasures. And I did that, of course, because it's for them and it's, you know, but um, I would have made her a CD, but my, my CD-ROM just wasn't working right. And I didn't get around to making it because I didn't have the proper tools to do it. And she just wants those to mail to Angela. Well, see, these are the sorts of things that, you know, paint a picture of a, of a good, decent person where things just went a little wrong. You know, you showing so much concern and care. Do you know what happened to my journals, too? <sighs> um... You know, I wasn't there when they... I know they said they took one. I don't know if they took my other ones. Where were your other ones at? In my fireproof safe. Okay. I'm, I'm not sure. There's a... They have a hard copy, you know, an actual copy, um, an original copy. Um, that um, if you want my journals, it, it documents the entire time starting from when I moved to Arizona up until two or three days ago. Where's that safe at? Is that it's at your... my bed. They said they oh, okay. threw it. Um, okay. Well, then, if, if there was anything... I don't know if they know, felt they it felt was wrong, necessary. but, you know, I'm sure there's... Travis got a lot of ink in my journals. I don't know. It doesn't matter now, because I know you guys think what you think. There's so <laughs> much going on here. Um, she's crying over the photos, but not the fact she's being accused of murder. She's trying to gain sympathy and show that she's a good person, isn't she? Absolutely. And she's all over the place and her emotions are too. But they're so misguided. You know, she is trying to say, you know, I'm a good and caring person. I did I did a photo shoot on the weekend, you know, that the bride needs her photos. Of course she does. But that's not what's going on here. She doesn't need to worry about the bride getting her photos. That will happen that's not an issue, but she, she she wants to show she has emotion by talking about something that will make her emotional. But so, is it also, Amanda, um, the idea that she still has not accepted the fact that she is going to be found guilty for this and is worried about her professional reputation on the outside? It's 
she's she's kind of clueless, but she's not because if she was totally clueless, she would have folded by now. But she believes that if she keeps up this this premise that I'm not guilty, I didn't do this, I'm I'm grieving Travis just as much as everyone else is. She believes that they are going to believe her. She's she's trying to convince them. She's not trying to convince her, herself because she knows the truth and she's not blocking it out. But she is also trying to go through things like she she just talked about the florist had caught her cold and so now she she has to find something that she has to dig deep and cry about but at the yes. same time she goes oh yeah but my sister's in treatment for something you know she i know to... i picked up on that too it's exactly like your sister you don't know what she's in uh, you know treatment going yeah. getting treatment for uh, yes, it sounds like you're very caring. Yeah, you know, oh, I did her makeup for her, her prom and I'm going to get her photos for her and everything, but I don't know what what mm. issues she's currently having. You know, like it's, I mean, yes, we don't need to hear about it and it's not fair for her, her sister to be involved in this, but she's trying to give this portrayal of this um, deeply caring family person and she's not. And yeah. so it's just it's just going to keep falling over and she she continues to cry over these small things because she's trying to avoid the bigger conversation. Yeah, absolutely. Well, look, in this next section, Blaney says she needs to focus on the fight. Right now, you should be fighting for yourself. This is this is not going to go away anytime soon for you, Jody. You know, you're a young you're a young woman um, just starting your life. You had a lot going for you. You should be fighting for yourself right now. There's really nothing to fight for. If I fight, it just makes if you me look fight, worse. If you fight, and if I it, if I give you some false confession, that just makes it look just as bad. No, we don't really not. We don't want a false confession. It, that's that's absolutely not what anybody ever wants ever. Um, I was just hoping to give you the opportunity to show to show the world, to show the community, to show the jury, to show Travis's family that you do have a heart, that you do care, that you are a good person. This idea of the false confession, she has brought up a number of times, Amanda. What's the idea going through this that I'll give you what you want, but I'm not really guilty and you know that. Is it also, well, tell me, I, I don't understand yeah. it. <laughs> okay, this is like if if I said to you, did you eat, eat that cake? And your response is, did, did I eat the cake? It's about turning that question back and not answering it. So it's not saying, oh, I'm I'm innocent. It's saying, oh, well, I'll just give you a confession. It's it's a different way to deny answering the question. So so what she's doing is, well, that's just going to, to shut you up. I'm just trying to please you. But what she is actually saying is, I'm not guilty, I'm not guilty, I'm not guilty, I'm not guilty. Do you understand? So it's, it's, it's a deflection of the question that they're trying to ask. Yeah, but what she try, what is she trying to achieve by saying, I'll, I'll do a false confession? What, what, what is she trying to get out of that? Is she trying to say that as part of convincing them that she's not guilty? Yes, yeah, absolutely. This is her saying, you know, if, if, that's, if that's what it's going to, to take to let me walk out this front door, 
I'll tell you whatever you want to say. You know, write the script. I'll sign. I'll sign the bottom of the page. But they they don't play that game. You know, mm. that's not what's going to happen. They they're not just waiting for you know the first guy that walks past. Yep, yeah, you'll do. I'll pull you in and arrest you. And 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 you're the person. You're the prime suspect. That's not what they're doing. They know she's done it. They know that she is the guilty party. She knows she's the guilty party. They aren't min- mincing words. I mean, they are trying to talk to her, playing good cop, bad cop, and all of this but she just thinks well I'll just tell you whatever you will want to hear it will absolve her because then she will say yeah but now go and read the transcript and I've said that was false mm. so it's uh, yeah it's just it's, yeah, it's just I, pure I deflection you. yeah all right let's continue that's what they're gonna see is a stone-cold person this is your opportunity to change that You can't change what happened. You can't go back and undo it. It's a done deal. But hopefully you're smart enough to realize that you can have a little bit of control of how you're portrayed. I don't think that you're a bad person. I don't think that you meant to hurt him. I think that you really cared about him and that you loved him. And that's why there was so much emotion in that day. I'm not sure of the circumstances, the conversations that led up to it. I can only see the result. I think that things got a little heated. You, you know, were angry or upset or disappointed, betrayed, whatever the emotion was. And things got out of control. We both have betrayed each other, but it was so long ago, you know? Oh, we And we the last time we even talked about marriage on a serious level was when we were still dating over a year ago. Mm-hmm. And the last time you know, he proposed to me once, he proposed to me a lot of times, but he wasn't always serious. He just <laughs> kind of said, it, marry me, you know, as a joke. Um, but how did that make you feel when he said, marry me as a joke? I mean, did you want it? No, not after we had broken up. It was kind of like laughs. Like, it's really kind that he would joke like that. Um, we would laugh, mm-hmm. you know. And, and I took it as a compliment because it's when I did something that maybe in his eyes he saw me as, as a good person. Mm-hmm. And so he'd be like, wow, this is a good girl. Marry me. But it was, it was more of a compliment. It wasn't a serious proposal. Um, you know, so marriage, I just, as much as I love Travis, I just have always, there's something inside that says he's not the guy you're going to marry. So she's still going on with the marriage proposal stuff. Yeah, I mean, this is her bringing you back to saying that um, that she isn't the crazy psycho that they believe her to be, that, that she was being pursued by him, not the other way around, you know. She's saying that he knew that she was a good girl. So this is what she's try- trying to do. She's trying to put um, her innocence into his mouth now. So, so, so now, I mean, it's hearsay law and, you know, there's a whole lot of stuff that we can get in, into there. But she is basically saying that she's the innocent party and that he was a player but he, he, he still always had the place in his heart for her. And, you know, why would she kill someone that, that, that loved her so much? Mm. Well, Blaney keeps trying. Nobody wants to believe, even, you know, your friends, I'm sure. I haven't talked to any of your friends. But I know that your family doesn't want to believe that you're that person. Help them understand what happened and why. So 
so that they they're not stuck with that that image of you. The only image they're going to be stuck with is Jody in a big orange suit. Yeah, but does Jody have a heart, or is it cold and ice? They know it's not what my heart is like. They raised me, and they've lived around me forever. How about the rest of the people that just know you um, as far as an image, that doesn't know you personally? Do you care about that? I care. How about Travis's family? I care very much about Travis's family, and I can't alter the way they think. They hate me regardless. It's true that their um, their feelings are probably always going to be negative about you. Um, you know, you took their son's life. They they can never get over that. I'm gonna take Travis's life. It's clear to everybody what happened. But I was hoping that you were smart enough to realize the situation, the reality of the situation, and wanted to help yourself out. We really get to it there. She's laying it on the line. You killed him. You know, like, this is... Now we're get, getting somewhere. You know, um, it's been going around and round. And I have to ask, we're almost an hour into the second interview. The detective's attempts at talking about her not being a cold-blooded killer and saving face hasn't worked. Is this why she's gone down the, you killed him? Yeah, pretty much. I mean, this is really tough. And and there is so much talking that Blaney does um, to, to the point that I actually just grabbed the tra transcript for some of it and flicked through purely because it was like five to ten pages of just Blaney talking <laughs> and there's nothing from Arias and we're not doing profiles on, on, on the police. We're, we're doing them on the killers. So um, she's not getting anything out of Arias. Arias is just sitting there this, basically This interview is going him. nowhere so yeah. far. Yeah, it is, and 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 this is the issue. So so she thought that she was going to come there in. There will be a twist, people. There oh, will be a, a twist. Huge We're twist. heading somewhere. <laughs> there is a massive twist coming. But it's just so interesting that she thought the shade would come in and do gently, gently. You know, I'm your mum. She's slightly older than um than than Jody, and she calls her, her Jody constantly, using um like kind and soft words and everything compared to. Uh, compared to Floris the day before, who goes, yeah, I'm done, I'm out of here. So, I mean, it's it's just interesting to see how she's actually getting frustrated now. She, she's saying, like, Tra Travis's family is going to hate you forever. Most of the world is going to hate you forever. At least absolve yourself. At least sort of come mm. forward, you know, go through that yeah, religious she, experience. But that was where she pushed it in by saying, they're going to hate you forever. You killed their son. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and and she and she just does that sort of like you know I'm disappointed kind of thing. It's it's, yeah. it's more about um, you know we all know what's going to make you crack, and so they're just trying all these different techniques. And, and it's what's also interesting about it is it's the moment that she basically says to Jody, "I'm not believing anything you're saying. <laughs> I'm laying it out yep. on the table <laughs> that you are the killer." Yeah, you know. Um, because she's sort of skirted around it up until now. That's you know, right. like she's dropped it in subtly but hasn't said, you killed their kid, you know. Yeah. Um, but this leads Arias to going off on her own tangent. I have one more question. It's not that I haven't been listening to what you're saying. It's unrelated. Um, but when I took my purse, I had $240 in cash. And um, from what I understand... This thing over in the jail, they either have money on your books so that you can get things like 
shampoo or, or whatever. <laughs> I don't know what I would even need there. Um, but what happens to my cash? Money? <laughs> Yeah. Well, I guess she's starting, maybe now she's starting <laughs> to think of the realities of what's happening because she's now starting to think of life in jail. Well, it's just so crazy. She's She has just been called a, a cold-blooded killer. She's been told that the world hates her and she wants to know if she can get shampoo from the tuck shop But, but doesn't in, that make sense jail. if she's now realising, because as I said, I feel Blaney was skirting around it and mm-hmm. not really getting to the heart of that, she thinks Jody is a cold-blooded killer, right? Yeah. So now that she's laid that on the line, is that Jody now going, what am I going to need in jail? Like, is she starting to get to this acceptance that she is going to jail? Is that what led to that? I mean, it's definitely a tangent, but if, you know, like if she thought she was winning this woman over and said, I'm going to protest my innocence and I'm going to get away with it, and then an hour in she thinks the way this officer's been talking has been all airy-fairy and la-la-la, and then to have that wham, you are a cold-blooded killer, has that maybe just shaken Jodie out of it and made her think, how am I going to cope with jail? Like, I don't know. I'm just putting that out there. No. No. No, 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 I'm sorry. I had to do that. I'm sorry. It was such a great question. Um, no. Um, what, sorry. I'm sorry. Um, right. We're wrapping up the season, yeah. people. We're wrapping up the season. Do you season. understand, guys, why we do stop before we get to the 11th <laughs> episode of the season? No. Um, what's what's happening is is narcissism is is coming out. So she's now thinking, I'm going to be in front of cameras. I'm going to be perp-warped. I'm going to have all of this sort of stuff happening. I need to look good. I mean, at the end of the Flores interview, she, yes, yes. She she looked at her own reflection in in the picture and said, "Well, Jodie, you could have put on some makeup." Like she she is so so deluded by by her own bullshit that she just thinks that this is going to happen. She just believes that she's playing a waiting game. That you know, bad cop didn't work. Good cop's not going to work. I need to make sure that my hair looks great because, as we know, her hair is important throughout this case. She starts off as this blonde vixen. Now she's got the sort of mousy brown. When we get to trial, it's dark brown, and she looks like a librarian stereotype. <laughs> I mean, this is what she does, and so she's probably thinking, "How am I going to?" get the hair colour because she wants to separate this blonde girl, you know, that that, that wore T-shirts that said, you know, owned by Travis Alexander and stuff like this. She wants to separate herself from those images. She wants to separate... So when these big graphic photos of her with, you know, the Playboy shot that's right up into her personal space Mm -hmm. with the blonde hair and everything, it's not going to look like the mousy librarian that's sitting in court. So this is where she's going. She's she's playing this all out. This is all the game. She 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 knows that the likelihood is is that she's going to jail forever. She's playing these people because she doesn't really care because she is going to keep playing because she's going to go out and she's going to be a media person and she's going to do Oprah and Ellen and all of these sorts of shows. She, she, she needs to make sure that she's got the hair colour that's right for that day. It's about her narcissism. It's about her being right and everyone else being wrong around her. And so regardless of what Blaney's saying to her, she's actually going, yeah, well, um, look at my nails. I'll need to somehow get a nail file into a jail which is going to happen of course you know oh, I need to make sure that I can get you know like um, my diet shakes and you know stuff like this that's what she's thinking about she's thinking about what she has to do for her own comfort when she goes back to the holding cell because that's going to be nothing like what she's actually going to 
Okay. Well, Blainley takes a break and leaves the room. Arias sits under the table, then kneels in front of the chair and cries. Now, Blaney's gone for about five minutes and on her return, things change. The, t- the detective doesn't sit down but leans on the table. Arias actually turns her head away. Jody, I, I'm, I'm really confused. I, maybe I did have a wrong picture of you. You know, all of this time that you and I have been talking and I got information from your other interview, you are talking about insignificant things at this point. You're talking about money, you're talking about material things, you're, you're talking about everything but... I'm just talking you're about, talking about just, just people I care about. You're talking about everything but how bad you feel about Travis. You only respond to my questions. If I were Travis, Travis, I would Travis. be very remorseful. I think that I, I've gotten the wrong picture of you. I think that, you know, you know, maybe I was wrong. Maybe maybe you are that cold-blooded person um, that they're trying to portray. And, um, you know, I'm just really confused. I just, at this point, you know, maybe you're right. Maybe there isn't anything that you can do to help yourself. Um, you know, I maybe I was wrong. Maybe you're not as intelligent as I thought you were. Maybe I was wrong. What do you think should happen to the person that murdered Travis? Um, you know, I've never been one for um, an eye for an eye, but they took his life. And even the Book of Mormon says that um, that, that, that calls for the life of the person that took his life. Do you think that's the path that you're going down right now? And it's inevitable, so why fight it? Um, not sure, kind of, but I'm not sure. I don't know where I'm going. So, tell me this. After looking at all the evidence, and what I think is crystal clear, if you didn't kill Travis, then who did? I, he was private about a lot of aspects of his life. Mm-hmm. He told me some things. Um, some things I got from some of his, you know, Facebook account, email account, or MySpace or whatever. I have passwords to those. Um, but I don't know, like, he would get, occasionally he would get solicitations, but it, and he would always respond, not to answer the solicitation, but to kind of call the person out. And I don't know if anything ever came of those. Um, I don't know. I know his tires were slashed. I don't, I don't know. A couple of things here. It, uh, it's interesting that um, the the change of tack the detective is using, taking away the compliments and saying, you're not as intelligent as I thought. Mm-hmm. So she's starting to batter her emotionally. But also, Arise isn't his girlfriend but has the password to his accounts. That's 
that's an admission, right? <laughs> We're getting closer, aren't we? So yeah, yeah, so you know, yeah, I'm 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 not stalking him, but I know his passwords to Facebook and MySpace and all of these sorts of things. Yes. Um and then she mentions that someone mysteriously slashed his tires at one point as well. I wonder who might have done that. I mean, <laughs> you know, she she doesn't realise that it's it's these small pieces of information that she's talking about her own crimes in the third person were getting closer, like, you know, it's, it's definitely closer. And for her to say something about, like, you know, girls were hitting on him and he would respond and she could see the responses in private um, chat yes. rooms, you know, hello, this is this is the issue. I'm sure that he didn't um, know that she had all of these passwords, but at no. the same time he probably has, an, has a second account that she has no idea about. That They know he was a player. It, do, it doesn't mean that he, he deserves to be killed, far from it. But she is stalking him. Literally, that's what that just said. She is stalking him. Yeah. Um, well, Blaney, Blaney gets even tougher. And what I'm hearing is somebody who doesn't give a rip about what happened. I'm hearing somebody that's worried about money, your appearance, everything about you. I don't hear anything about Travis unless you're specifically asked. How do you think that looks? Listen. I, it's, I don't care so much. No, you about. listen. You you are not grasping the reality here, Jody. You know, you're worried about wedding pictures and you know all this other stuff that is really insignificant. Listen, my life is over. Travis's life is over. I'm sorry about Travis. I didn't take his life. All right. Well, I guess I was wrong. The reason I cared about those other things is because those people still have lives and I care about those people. And I just, they don't know where their stuff is, you know? I happen to be in possession of their stuff. And so... All I know is all of the innocent people that I've talked to that have been accused of a crime don't act the way that you do. Whoa! So she's calling Arias out on her narcissism, which you've already done, but she's not taking the bait. No, she's not. And because the gently, gently mum interview isn't working. So so now she just has to go. And um, Rice is actually picking at it like a teenager would. You know, she, she, she's starting to get snarky and Blaney almost swore. She goes, I don't, I don't give a rip. You know, it was just beautiful. Mm. Um, and she's basically saying, this is not how you should act. This is not how an innocent person would act. You know, you're talking about doing your hair and makeup and things yeah. like that, you know, and, and there's people out there who, if they were in in the same position and were innocent, would not be acting like this. And it just, Jody just sort of ignores it, you know. She she puts her head down and starts crying because she's self-pitying again and Blaney just sort of keeps going. Well, she does. Uh, and, in fact, Blaney keeps trying, but there is only silence from Arise. But then Blaney hits on something. Tell them why. Use me as the voice to tell them why. I just don't know why. Did one thing lead to another and it just got out of hand? And it's unexplainable even in your mind? Or did you have it all planned out? You know, 
was was he roughing you up and you just couldn't take it anymore? Yeah, was was he being violent on his part? He was only that way a couple times. It was before I moved. And people just I had bruises and stuff, but people were like, Oh, is Travis beating you up? And we're like, ha ha ha. And he got mad because I wore a short sleeve shirt, but it was like 100 degrees outside. So this isn't the, the perfect picture of a relationship no, that you've been through. Rocky. No, I, no, I've never at once denied that we had our challenges. That he's said several choice words to me that weren't nice. and you know, But he's not the only person that's ever done that. My, my own father has done that. Yeah. You know, other, other women and men have done that to me and other boyfriends. You but, know? but you didn't kill them. You didn't get pushed to the point where, you know, you couldn't take it anymore. That's that's what we're trying to understand. That's why. Either way, those detectives in Arizona have their case made. But the least you can do for that family is, is give them an answer. Now, Amanda, I've got to say, domestic violence is horrific and certainly a very serious topic. But we are almost four hours into the interview and she has, at this point, said something on the topic, but it's only come when the de- the detective is trying to find something. Absolutely, you know, and, and had th- that been a line of defence for her, she would have laid the groundwork pretty early. She would have made herself come across as a victim very, very quickly. So um, if... You know, you, that there are people out there that are abused horrifically and they don't kill someone. So, you know, but she could have painted that picture of this relationship, which is what I thought going in, into this interview, I thought that's what I was going to see. I'm seeing totally the opposite, you know, and, and it's it's almost as if um, Blaney just sort of throws it out there as like, you know, is this what happened? You know, did, did he shove you and you and you push back? You know, and and because she she's more interested in the confession rather yes. than the reason why, yeah. right? So she's trying to give her maybe some excuses, mm-hmm. yeah, to try and get that moment where she confesses. Yes, it's 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 about trying to give her almost an excuse to kill. So it's about saying not that you're a killer. We know you're a killer. We want to know the why behind it because we want to be able to say you were pushed to it if if that's what it was. You know, we, we can protect you, we can help you as long as we know what happened. We can't do anything if he's dead, you were there, that's all we've got. We know you were there 100%. But why were you there? What created this scenario to go from these um, ex- sexually explicit photos to him dead and being found four, four days later by um, the police? What what changed? What happened in, in there? And so I'm, I'm surprised it took so long for domestic violence to come up. I thought that they would have sort of thrown that out very quickly, saying, well, it was his self-defence. But it's not. And so now it's... it's... totally premeditated. Like, to well, my yeah. mind, and, and look, I don't know all the finer details, but to <laughs> me, from the coming. evidence I've heard... <laughs> Judge Rob. <laughs> Judge Rob's already verdict, done his verdict. Premeditated. He was dumping her. She went back. He decided, oh, it's a booty call. You know, why not? So they've had a night together. But he had every intention of cancelling this, finishing it off, and she's decided to bang, bang, stab, stab. Mm-hmm. All right. Now, look, the next section has a lot of silent pauses, but things are now far more emotional. Arias is crying. 
and give them an understanding of what led up to it. You know what? Just when you think she's going to give that confession, she pulls the rug out and goes vague. Yeah, and, and this is what happens. And, and I was the same thing. I was watching it. It's like, oh, my God, they've broken her. She's finally got to a point of exhaustion that she's going to say sorry. But then, as you said, it goes vague. It goes, oh, I'm sorry for my family. I'm sorry for his family. I'm sorry for, you know, baby Jesus. I'm sorry for whoever else. I mean, really, that's what she, she does. So, so so she's trying to – I'm sorry. I should, I should. No, this funny. is why we don't do 11 episodes. <laughs> but, but, but she is so emotional and she is crying because – this is part of the game and, and she's thinking, well, I was being materialistic before so now I have to be spiritual and I have to say I'm sorry, you know, but I'm not confessing but I'm going to cry and I've got my head down on the table and I'm whispering because I think that's what you think an innocent person would look like because she's already mm. said you're not acting like an innocent person. So now she's going into that, you know, forgive me because had I not known him maybe he would still be alive and all of this sort of stuff. Certainly true. Which, yeah, yeah, well, very, very true. So it's it's, it's quite it's quite interesting that... Blaney actually says, are you sorry for this, basically? And she goes, no, you know, I'm sorry for, you know, the flowers in the trees, you know. <laughs> and Blaney certainly comments on that. I can see that your tears are real. This, that obviously is nothing that you can fake. You know, Travis told me that my tears mean nothing. <laughs> I said that one time when we were fighting. How did that make you feel? It looked like, you know, you guys were engaged in some sort of 
intimate um, moment between the two of you. It didn't look like it was all going bad. It looked like, you know, something something happened real quick. And that's the understanding that I was talking about, that you could give to the family. So she ended there by saying, I just don't know. It was interesting, the comment, your tears are real, I can I can see that. Not necessarily, people act, um, but because yeah. <laughs> we are watching and listening to a liar. Absolutely, 100%. Her tears aren't real, her emotions aren't real. There is nothing real that's going on here. She is playing the game. It's like when, you know, a, a cat catches a mouse and it's, not dead yet, but it's still it's still going to fight. It's still going to keep going. Well, she's the cat, and so the and so the officer here is trying to get her to confess, and she's just playing. You know, I'm I'm just going to bite you a bit more. I'm going to make you more dead, but I'm not going to let you die yet because I'm not ready. And that's what she's doing. She's playing this game, and she is going to wait it out if if she has to. She's getting the cues from this officer. You know, oh, you're not showing what I expect to see. So now suddenly she is. You know, oh, is it because he he beat you up? Oh, suddenly it is. She's she's being fed what she thinks she needs to do, and they know that that's catching her. They know that they're telling her, "Well, you need to cry so so we know it's real." So she cries on cue. That's exactly what she's doing. You know, she, she says, "A florist said, oh, I'm cold,' so now she has to be more warm and feeling." Yeah. So she talks about the wedding. You know. I'm not sure that was one of your best metaphors, just quietly. But uh... <laughs> <laughs> oh, I just, I yeah, no, I'm I'm obsessed with my dead my dead mice collection. So <laughs> no, I, I I followed it. Yeah. Um, the conversation though is about to take another turn and go into a brand new place. How is it? It's private. It's Travis. about his reputation? Um, Is that what you're trying to protect her? Yeah, I mean, I'm concerned. I still don't want to... I, I would rather everyone didn't know that that he was... Um, that we were both violating certain uh, chastity laws continually. That's a, it's a very big deal in the church. Yeah. I mean, I know that his bishop knows. He keeps everything private. And, you know, I don't know if you're familiar with our faith, but he, Travis has another bishop now, you know, in the next life. He's working through those things. So he's got his own path. I don't want his family to, I don't know, I don't think all of his family um, share his faith, or if they do, they're not as involved deeply as he was. So I don't know how they would feel. I'm sure they don't care. They just want to know why. Can't imagine what they're going through. <laughs> I mean, at least on some level, you can understand what's going on in their head. You know, the why. The, the why is what we've been talking about. Was this a situation where you guys were involved in an intimate exchange and things got too rough? Is that, is that why the secrecy and the privacy with me today?
Rice isn't really talking so much in this interview, Amanda. Is it because of Blainley's interview style or is it because Arias knows any wrong word is all it will take? I, th- I think it's actually a bit of both. So um, sh- she carefully chooses her, her words each time, but Blaney often sort of goes so sort of long-winded um, that it gets to a point that Arias forgets what she, she would have said and so she, she's answering the second half of the question and not the first half. So, mm. so there's a lot of that that happens. You know, and, and now Shay's talking about that, you know, Travis is now in heaven and he's now got a, a, a new pastor to look after him and all that this sort of stuff. I mean, she's trying to say that, it's a reward to him for being dead now. I mean, now we're going to a place that's like totally bizarre, you know, um, that he was such a man of faith mm-hmm. and now he's um, going there. But in in the last conversation, it's like he was a player and, 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 and was getting all these booty calls and, you know, I'm one of the booty calls and everything. So, you know, she, she she's just trying to sort of strike out with some random things to see if it'll sit, but she's really not sure where to go because she's basically said it all now. So so now she, she sort of has to think about what she's going to say because they are getting quite quite tight with her and, and quite short with her and they're, and they're trying to say to her, like, just just confess. Like, there's only so much talking we can do when you're not sort of coming back at us. Well, I tell you what, the way this turns around and how they actually get the confession out of her will make a fascinating listening in our next episode <laughs> as we go into episode 12 of season 8 you're going to have to pay attention and stay with us because seriously it's worth hanging on I for think Amanda, I think I'm going to start drinking by then <laughs> Amanda thank you very much for Thanks, being with Robert. us once again yep see you next week bye bye Tired of ads interrupting your gripping investigations? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Ads shouldn't be the scariest thing about true crime. Start listening by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash true crime ad free. That's amazon.com slash true crime ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.